Section 7 of My Strange Rescue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carol Pelster. My Strange Rescue by James MacDonald Oxley. Section 7. A Micmac Cinderella. The dear old stories that delighted us in our nurseries, as mother or sister, lured the lingering dustman to our eyes by telling them over and over do not by any means belong to us alone they are the common property of mankind even the most rude and ignorant peoples have them in some form or other and the study of these myths and folklore associated with them is one of the most interesting branches of modern philology jack the giant killer puss in boots aladdin and his wonderful lamp and all the rest of them have their parallels in the farthest corners of the globe they are to be found too among the dusky race whose mothers told them to their children long before pale-face eyes looked covetously upon american shores and pale-face powder sent terror into the hearts of brown-skinned braves take this pretty legend of tiam and uchigiasque as it was told to an unforgetful listener beside a micmac campfire in nova scotia and comparing with our own familiar fable of cinderella see if the two are not alike in so many points as to make it easy to believe they had a common origin in the heart of one of those vast forests that used to cover the acadian land with billowy seas of verdure as boundless seemingly as the ocean itself lay a large long lake at one end of which an indian village of more than usual size had grown up it was a capital place for a settlement because the lake abounded with fish the surrounding forest with game and near at hand were sunny glades and bits of open upon which sufficient corn beans and pumpkins could be raised for the needs of the inhabitants so highly did these village folk value their good fortune that they would allow no other indians to share it and any attempt to settle near that lake meant the massacre or flight of the rash intruders a little way from the village the lake shore rose up into a kind of eminence having a clump of trees upon its crown and in the midst of this clump stood a wigwam that had more interest for the maidens of the place than any other they would often watch the smoke wreaths curling up through the trees and wish that in some mysterious way they could get into the interior of that wigwam without the occupants having any warning and many times they would quite by chance you know wander off in that direction or along the beach below where the owner's canoe would be drawn up when he was at home looking out very eagerly and very hopefully from their brown eyes but always returning from their quest disappointed now what was the reason of their curious conduct well i'll tell you in a few words in this wigwam which was larger and finer than any in the village lived a young chief named tiam the moose who was not only very handsome and very rich but who most aggravatingly attractive quality of all possessed the power of making himself invisible at will so that he could be seen only by those to whom he was pleased to reveal himself taking these three things into account and adding a fourth 
to wit that tiam was generally understood to be meditating matrimony is it any wonder that the dusky lasses with seal-brown eyes and ebon locks took a particularly lively interest in the wigwam on the point as was very natural under the circumstances the possessions merits and designs of tiam formed the most important item of village gossip especially as he had made it known that he would select his wife after so curious not to say ungallant a fashion for instead of his going a-wooing among the girls he proposed that the girls should come a-wooing to him adorned in their bravest attire and looking their very prettiest the maidens were to present themselves before him and the first one that could see him plainly enough to describe what he had on he would marry the way they went about it was as follows they washed their faces anointed their heads bedecked themselves with their brightest ornaments and then directed their steps to the wigwam of tiam arranging it so as to arrive there a little before the hour of the young chief's return from his daily hunting foray tiam's sister who kept house for him and of whom he was very fond would receive them graciously and together they would go down to the shore to await the hunter's coming presently a fine canoe would be seen gliding swiftly over the lake's calm surface eagerly the maidens peer through the gathering shadows but the canoe seems impelled by magic for no human hand is visible as it nears the shore the sister asks namiak richigunum do you see my brother every eye is strained in the direction of the canoe and some over-eager maiden imagination coming to the aid of desire would perhaps pretend she could see its mysterious occupant kugue wisko buksich of what is his carrying strap made is then asked this was a poser but a lucky guess might possibly hit the mark so the aspirant for the chief's hand would make answer that it was a piece of rawhide or wide or, or something else that had been known to be applied to such a use <laughs> oh no the sister would reply softly but crushing out all hope let us go home you have not seen my brother and so they would go back to the wigwam where a little later they would be tantalized by seeing the sister taking a load of game apparently from the air and a pair of moccasins from feet that obstinately refused to be visible thus they were convinced that there was no deception that tiam was really present although they could not see him one after another the village maidens had tried their luck moose hunting <laughs> as they called it but all had failed alike to catch even a glimpse of the provoking master of the wigwam on the point matters had gone on in this unsatisfactory fashion for some time and the fastidious tiam bid fair to be an old bachelor when he was saved from so sad a fate in the way i shall now proceed to relate near the centre of the village stood a large wigwam in which dwelt a widower who had three daughters the eldest of whom was a tall fine-looking girl the second a medium-sized rather plain girl and the youngest a short slight delicate little creature with a pretty pleading face who was despised by her big sister 
and very cruelly treated by her because she seemed so weak and useless in fact poor uchigiasque led a wretched life of it for her sister who was of course mistress of the tent would lay far heavier tasks upon her than she could possibly perform and then if they were not done would beat her most unmercifully and sometimes even burn her with brands from the fire when her father who tell the truth was but an indifferent sort of a parent would find her covered with burns and bruises and ask the meaning of it the elder sister would reply that she had fallen into the fire or tripped over a tree root or something of that kind and neither uchigiasque nor the second sister dared contradict her they were both so much afraid of her strong hands so this shameful state of affairs continued until the poor girl's condition was most pitiable for her hair was singed off close to her head her face and body scarred with burns and bruises and her back bent with toil it was not strong enough to bear of course the two elder sisters had been among the candidates for tiam's hand and proud as they were of their good looks and of their finery both had failed utterly to see the mysterious chief their despised little sister knew of their going only too well for her persecutor gave her a wicked beating when she came home disappointed by way of working off her ill-humour one day when uchigiasque was sitting alone in the wigwam weeping over her hard fate the thought suddenly flashed into her mind why should she not try her fortune at moose hunting it seemed absurd of course but it could hardly make things any worse and even though tiam would not think her worth marrying he might in some way not very clear to the poor girl's troubled mind shield her from her sister's cruelty ochigiasque had no fine clothes to put on a few beads given her by a compassionate squaw were her only ornaments but this did not deter her gathering a quantity of birch bark she fashioned for herself an odd misshapen gown that was ill-fitting enough to give even an indian modiste a turn an old pair of her father's moccasins were soaked to soften them and drawn over her bruised feet and then with a queer headdress to hide her singed pall and her scanty beads arranged to the best advantage she set off quietly one afternoon toward the camp on the point her big sister seeing the direction she was taking screamed after her to come back but she only hastened her steps forward the people of the village stared rudely at her as she passed and divining her purpose hooted derisively after her but she kept steadily on and paid no heed to them her whole heart was in her enterprise and she felt as though she would die rather than turn back at length she reaches tiam's lodge 
Tiam's sister comes to the door and receives her pleasantly. At the proper time, she conducts her to the landing place where they await the hunter's return, the sister soothing her visitor's throbbing pulse by gentle inquiries as to her life and kindly sympathy for her woes. Just at dusk, a canoe comes toward them, shooting swiftly over the water, and the sister says, That's my brother's canoe. Can you see him? Yes, murmurs Uchigiasque, her heart beating high with hope. Of what, then, is his carrying strap made? Munkwan is the quick reply. It is a piece of rainbow. Very good, responds the sister, with a brilliant smile. You have indeed seen my brother. Let us go home and prepare for him. So they hasten back to the wigwam, Uchigiasque's heart palpitating betwixt delight at her success and anxiety lest Tiam, when he found what an insignificant little creature she really was, might refuse to keep his promise to marry the girl who should first be able to see him as soon as they reach the tent the sister proceeds to prepare her visitor for the nuptial ceremony and the young girl gives herself unhesitatingly into her hands the uncouth birch bark dress is stripped off and flung into the fire and a handsome robe richly adorned with beads takes its place pure spring water is brought and as the kind sister dashes it over the girl's face and rubs the scarred features softly with her hands lo every scar and spot and blemish vanishes and the face comes out fair and beautiful as it never was before realizing the wondrous change the young girl utters an exclamation of delight then checks herself and puts her hand to her head ah she says sadly i have no hair tiam will despise me when he sees i have no hair never fear little one the sister answers reassuringly and passing her hands over the singed and frizzled hair behold another marvel for it springs out in richer profusion than ever before and falls in long thick tresses down the back of Uchigiasque, now too happy to speak. Catching it up, the sister coils it deftly round the young girl's head, and then, just as the toilet is complete and radiant with joy, hope, and beauty, Uchigiasque stands in the centre of the lodge. Tiam comes bounding in with his load of game. At sight of the charming girl before him, he stops short and looks inquiringly at his sister then the situation dawns upon him wejukus <laughs> we are discovered at last he says with a bright smile taking the young girl's hand yes brother your wife has come at last replies the sister and is she not a beauty so tiam and ochigiasque were married and like the heroes and heroines of all true fairy tales, lived happily ever after. End of section seven.